Well, thank you for being here. Again, I'm David. Uh, come be the lead pastor here. And if you're a visitor, we're so glad uh, that you're here this morning. We hope you'll come back and join us again for worship. We gather here every Sunday at 10 o'clock and would love for you uh, to come and join us as we seek to follow Jesus together. I, I'm, I wonder what, what comes to your mind when uh, you think of Easter? What's kind of the first thing that just pops into your head? Uh, maybe it's a picture or a word. I'm willing to bet some of you guys got, uh, got some Easter basket. Maybe, did anybody get an Easter basket this morning? Yeah, maybe a few. Maybe that's the first thing that pops in your head. A chocolate bunny might be the first thing that pops into your head. Uh, an Easter egg hunt. Uh, maybe it's just spring. Maybe spring kind of comes uh, to your mind. Uh, maybe you're thinking about lunch right now because you're hungry. Um, but I, I, I think... Uh, I think when I was reading this story, I asked that question, uh, just, I wonder what was the, the, the thing that stuck with Mary? What was in Mary's mind for the rest of her life when she thought about Easter? What came to mind? Uh, and if there was a word, I think, that could describe what she would have thought about this moment, I think that word is hope. I think that word would have been hope. Hope. If we could have gone back and asked her, I think she would have captured that moment with the word hope. And, and just reflecting, I think over the last two years, we have needed a lot of hope. We have been through a lot over the last couple of years. And while our prayer is that the pandemic is in the rearview mirror, the world in so many ways seems just as, if not more fragile uh, than it did before. And I think even in the best of times, life can be really hard. Even when things are going great, life can still be really hard. And so sometimes, I think, sometimes we, I think we all find ourselves searching for hope. We're longing for hope. And I, I don't just mean like hope to get through the day. I mean like real hope. A hope that sustains us. Hope that won't disappoint. A hope for the brokenness that we see out in the world. And maybe more so the brokenness that we feel here within us. And so the question, I think, uh, of this Easter Sunday is where do we find hope? Where are you finding hope in your life? Most of the time, I think we, we look to all kinds of things for hope. I know I've looked to lots of different things uh, for hope in my life. Maybe you've looked to success or, or to money. Maybe, uh, you know, getting things to that next level. That's kind of what you've been after. Or, or to finally have some financial security. That's been kind of the source of hope. Or if you could just find true love, or that person that you could spend the rest of your life with. Or maybe it's been a hope in education, or political change, or medicine, or technology. There's an endless list of things that we tend to put our hopes in. And I think if we've learned anything over the last two years, we've learned that hope placed in these things is like sand through our fingers. It is fleeting. It is not dependable. It is certainly unreliable, over-promising, and under-delivering when it comes to a lasting and real hope. And so, is there a hope for us? Is there a hope that doesn't disappoint? A hope that endures? When Mary Magdalene came to the tomb that morning, we're told that she came while it was still dark. I think that's so powerful. She came while it was still dark, in the darkness, right? Darkness symbolizing the hopelessness that she must have felt. 
But then as the sun rose at the empty tomb, she found something that she wasn't expecting. She found hope. She found hope, a hope that doesn't disappoint, a living hope is what the apostle Peter calls it, a living hope in the resurrected Jesus. And so this morning, I want us to find what she found. I want us to find the hope that she found for our own lives. And so there's three hopes, uh, three hopes that I want us to take away from the tomb this morning. And the first one is a hope for healing, a hope for healing. Mary Magdalene, if you don't know her story, she had a traumatic past. She had a traumatic past. In Luke's gospel, we're told that she had been oppressed by seven evil spirits, that the Lord had cast these seven spirits that oppressed her out of her, freeing her, liberating her. And so this is a woman in the first century, second-class citizen by every measure, socially, economically disadvantaged, and on top of that, suffering from all kinds of brokenness, mental, emotional, spiritual. And she's a picture of brokenness. Now, sometimes you can see brokenness, can't you? Sometimes you can look out and you can see brokenness in other people's lives. Or you can feel like I'm wearing my brokenness. Everybody can see how broken I am. I think most of the time, though, you can't see the brokenness. Most of the time, you can't. You guys, this morning, look fantastic. You guys are in your Easter best. You're looking so good, so beautiful, so handsome. But here's what I know, because I've been a pastor long enough, and I know my own life. I know that underneath, in this room, there's brokenness. Underneath, there is brokenness. And that's because every one of us is broken. Every one of us is broken. And so as we come to the tomb, we're confronted with our brokenness. As one person said, we're confronted with our hurts, our hang-ups, and our habits. Maybe it's rejection. Maybe it's estrangement or abuse. Maybe you have wounds uh, that are stemming from regret that you have about something you've done in your life. And you're stuffing it down, but it's there. Maybe you've got some resentment towards someone who's done something to you. And so you're carrying these things through life, and it's working itself out in your life in all kinds of ways. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a behavior you can't change, a feeling that you just can't seem to get a hold of, and it seems to be controlling you more and more and more. We all have brokenness. And that was Mary. Mary came to Jesus broken until she met Jesus, and that all changed. It all changed for her. Jesus healed her from the inside out. He did what no one else had been able to do. What he did for her was he made her whole. She was broken, and he made her whole. And so Mary followed him. She followed him everywhere he went, and she followed him all the way to the cross. She was there at the cross when he died. When he died, the Jesus who had liberated her, healed her, given her life, made her whole, he died. And she saw it. She witnessed it at the cross. And so that's why she's sitting outside the tomb, shedding these bitter tears of hopelessness. How is it the only one who has ever given me hope is now dead? Where is my hope now? And then she turns around 
at the voice of Jesus. And I love what it says. It says, after she realized who she's talking to, what did she do? It's in between. It's in between the lines. What did she do? She clung to him. (laughs) He says, don't hold on to me. I have to go. You can't hold on to me. Which means, what's she doing? She's holding on to him. She's clinging to Jesus. She's holding as tight as she ever has. And she's saying, don't ever leave me again, Jesus. You're the only hope I've ever known. You're the only hope I've ever had. She was never gonna let Jesus go. (laughs) That's why he had to say, let go. I'll be back. He made a promise. I'm gonna be with you forever. But let go right now. He was her hope, her hope for healing. I came across uh, this uh, metaphor this week, and I just thought it was so beautiful and powerful when it comes to healing of our brokenness, the healing that we see in Mary and the healing we long for in our own lives. I wonder if you guys have ever heard of Kintsugi. Have y'all ever heard of Kintsugi? No, great. I love audience response. Okay, good. I hadn't heard of it either. Um, and so what, what, this is what kintsugi is, and I think we actually have a picture. So here, here's what kintsugi is. Kintsugi is a Japanese practice of mending broken pottery. It's an art form. And, and what happens is you take broken pottery, and instead of repairing it with glue, you repair it with gold. Right? And so you fill the broken places with something beautiful and precious. And that's what it looks like. It makes something that was broken into all kinds of pieces. It puts it back together in a beautiful and powerful way. It mends it in such a way that instead of trying to hide the brokenness, it actually puts the mended brokenness on display in a beautiful way. In a little bit, in John's gospel, Jesus is with his disciples. You know what he shows them? He shows them his scars. Jesus is resurrected, and yet he kept his scars. When Jesus heals our brokenness, he does it in a way where even the scars of our brokenness, even the cracks, even the hurts in our life actually can become a beautiful and powerful testimony of his healing. This morning, I want you to have that kind of hope. Whatever's broken in your life, I want you to know there is the hope of healing in the risen Jesus. Only he can fill our cracks with gold. Only he can heal our brokenness and make us beautiful and whole again. Only Jesus, only Jesus can do that. So Jesus offers hope for healing. Second thing he offers is hope for forgiveness. He offers hope for forgiveness. Here's the deal. Our hearts aren't just broken, they're corrupt. Our hearts aren't just broken, they're corrupt. Mary clung to Jesus that Easter morning because she was made for life with him. She didn't want to be separated from him because she knew only in Christ could she ever be satisfied, fully known and fully loved. Isn't that what we long for? To be fully known and fully loved. You were made for life with Jesus. But there's a problem. We've all rejected Jesus as the Lord of our lives. 
Isaiah 53, 6 says, we have all gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. In other words, we've all tried to make our way through life without God. In the Bible, that's what's called sin. Sin is our rebellion. It's us saying to God, I I got this. I don't need you. I know better than you. I'm going to do it my way rather than your good and loving way. And what happens is sin slowly seeps into every part of us, our hearts, our minds, our relationships. It corrupts everything. In the 1920s, uh, the Hooker Chemical Company purchased Love Canal just outside of Niagara Falls. And they didn't know what to do with it, and eventually they decided they were going to dump all their toxic chemical waste into the canal, put all these barrels in there, and they just kept filling it up, filling it up, filling it up, and they filled it up till it was full. And then they just kind of filled it in and covered over it. In some places, it was just a few inches of dirt. They sold it to the city. After that, the city built a neighborhood on top of it. Fast forward from the 20s to the 50s, people start getting sick. Rates of cancer skyrocket, birth defects. And so people began asking, what's going on? Why is all this happening? The city and the company, both knowing full well what was going on, tried to cover it up. They told people to go on about their lives as normal. People kept getting sick. People kept getting sick. And so eventually, what happened was the company just denied there was a problem and said, this is all manageable. So that by the 1970s, the chemicals were literally bubbling up like ooze from the ground from under the Love Canal. Leaking into swimming pools, filling ponds, and the area became totally uninhabitable. People had to leave. They had to move away. And the impact was tragic. I think that's a perfect picture of what sin does in our lives. Our sin isn't some minor, manageable thing. And when we try to cover our sin or deal with it on our own, it eventually and devastatingly leaks out. It bubbles out, and it takes a toll not only on us, but those around us. So the bad news here is that that's that's our circumstances. That's where we find ourselves. The bad news is there's nothing we can do to fix it. Nothing. Nothing we can do to fix our own sin. The good news is that's why Jesus came. That's why Christ died on the cross. That's what we celebrated on Good Friday. That's why Christ rose from the dead because he can do something about it. Isaiah 53, 6, I just read it a minute ago. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray, everyone do his own way. You know how that verse ends? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin of us all. On Jesus God laid our sin on Jesus on the cross. He took all our toxic sin and its consequences and he put it to death. Jesus killed sin and the power of sin. I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrases Romans 6. This is what he says. He says, could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ, a decisive end to that sin, miserable life, no longer captive to sin's demands. What we believe is this. If we could get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. That's what we celebrate today. You see, we've been duped. 
We've been duped. There is no life without God. There's no such thing as life without God. Sin feels good in the moment. It is poison. It is poison. It is killing us. But God, in his great love for us, he offers us hope. Hope of forgiveness. Hope of cleansing us from our sin. Everything you've ever done wrong. Everything you have ever done wrong. Everything you will ever do that is wrong. All of it was put to death on the cross. All the guilt, all the shame, death on the cross in Christ. And when, we, when he rose from the dead, he freed us from sin. And if we believe in him, we are forgiven. In Christ, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. So there's the hope for healing, hope for forgiveness. And finally, quickly, hope for the future. Hope for the future. When Jesus walked out of the grave, human history changed. Everything changed. Death wasn't final anymore. There's something beyond death. We hate talking about death. <laughs> we are so uncomfortable with the idea of death. We don't know what to do with it, so we, we live in denial. We don't want to talk about it. We put it out of sight, out of mind. We try to prolong our life. We kind of cover with appearance of aging, whatever we can do to kind of rearrange the chairs on the Titanic. That's what we're doing. Everybody in here, newsflash, you're going to die. Everything and everyone dies. And we live in fear of that. Animals die. Plants die. Planets die. Stars die. Everything dies. Several years ago, in the New York Times, there was a letter to the editor, and this is what the author said. This was his observation about the way the universe works. He says, there's 30,000 galaxies that are 13 billion years old with many trillions of stars and planets. So just stop and think, how significant could you possibly be? You're not special. You are just another piece of decaying matter on the compost pile of this world. Yeah, so take that to Easter lunch, you know, woo. <laughs> Nothing of who you are and what you do in the short time you are here will ever matter. Anything short of that realization is vanity. So, here's his conclusion in light of all that. So, celebrate life in every moment. Admire its wonders and love people without reservation. Really? It's all meaningless? You're meaningless? So, have a great time? Foolishness. Everything is meaningless, so just be happy. This is the world without the resurrection of Jesus. This is the best the world can offer, a world with no hope. See, the resurrection offers us a, a beautiful and compelling alternative. And we, as followers of Christ, we have a story to tell. It's the resurrection story, a world that's full of meaning and life beyond death. Listen to these scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, that means if you put your trust in him, do you know what happens? The old is gone, and the new has come. You are reborn. Colossians 3, we just heard this read. For you died, and your life is now what? Hidden in Christ. You are in Christ. Ephesians 2 picks up on that same idea. Even we were dead, when we were dead in our trespasses, we were made alive, made alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up. The Apostle Paul says, raised up to new life with him. Here's the good news. You don't have to die. 
You don't have to die. I don't have to die. You can live. And I don't mean just one day. I mean right now. You can live the life that you were created to live, life with God, both now and forever. What Jesus in John 10, 10 calls life to the fullest, life with him. Life like Mary, clinging to Jesus, holding on to him because he's your only hope, that kind of life. When Jesus rose from the dead, he inoculated us against the power of death. Death in this body is not the end. It becomes a doorway into eternity and we have nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. So in Jesus, we have hope for healing, hope for forgiveness, and we have hope for a future. I don't know what hurts, hangups, habits you're dealing with today. I don't know what sin you are carrying in your heart today. I don't know if you're honest enough to face the reality of your own mortality. But I do know this. I know there's hope. There's real hope for you and for me in Christ because of his death and his resurrection. And so as we end, I just wanna ask you to consider Jesus as the only hope. Maybe that's something you've known for a long time, but you still got hurts and hangups and habits and you need to be reminded of the hope that you have in him, that he can heal you. Maybe you've got sin you're carrying around and you need to be reminded that he forgives you. Or maybe you've never taken that step to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I wanna invite you, today is the day. You can do that. You can say yes to the Lord Jesus and say, I will stop trying to live life on my terms and my way under my own strength. I will surrender my life to you because you are my only hope. And so I just wanna create some space for us to just consider what Jesus might be saying to us. I know it's a full day and Easter is awesome and we've had a lot going on, but maybe just a few moments of quiet to hear from the Holy Spirit. I believe God speaks to us in our hearts. And so I just want to create a few moments, not a long time, but just a few moments to allow the Holy Spirit to speak. And so if you want to bow your head and close your eyes, I just want to invite you to ask the Lord a simple question. Lord Jesus, are you my only hope? Just ask him, am I living with you as my only hope? And see what he says. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus into the world, that he took our sin upon himself, that he gave his life on the cross, and that he did that because he loves us, because you love us. Lord, you made us for yourself, and we have tried to live life on our own, and we are sorry. Forgive us, Lord Jesus. Lord, as we saw in baptism, we pray you would wash us clean today. That you would raise us to new life with you. Holy Spirit, that you would live within us and free us from the power of sin and death. That we might follow you and live life to the fullest. That we might cling to you like Mary did. For you truly are our only hope. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.